Carl Wazinski here. You're listening to the Rising as One podcast. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Rising as One podcast. This is Dominic Kearns here with Aaron Blau and a special guest, Kevin Gates. How are you guys doing? Fantastic. It's a great week. I'm uh, really glad to be talking some riding soccer with you guys and Kevin, who I haven't had a chance to, to talk with for a long time. What's going on, Kev? Oh, you know, just so much. And uh, yeah, it's definitely been a weird offseason. I've talked to a couple of people and we just all feel like we kind of scattered into the wind and we need to all group back. So it's good to uh, sit down and talk with you both. Definitely. And before we get right into it, um, Kyle couldn't join us today. He texted me and Aaron a couple days ago. It sounds like his grandma is in hospice care and it's pretty intense. Um, I'm sorry to hear that. So definitely keep some thoughts and prayers for him and his family. Um, I'm sorry, sorry to hear that. That's always a tough situation to be in. Yeah, but uh, but we do have each other. We have three of us, and I'm sure Kyle will be, will be back in the future. We've got a lot of stuff to cover, though, this week, so let's just jump right into it. The biggest news, another, uh, you know, another sad one for a lot of us. Sam Dorr, no longer with Phoenix Rising. Uh, Sam Dorr, a legendary content creator on social media, um, a marketing wizard. Eventually, that reputation spread around the valley, and the Arizona Coyotes have hired him. Um, Aaron, what was his official position? I'm I'm going through the tweets to find it, but if you remember what his official position is with the Coyotes, I, be- it, I believe it's the director of innovation and strategy, or yeah. so- something to that respect. Yeah, that's it. So uh, innovation uh, and strategy. You know, one of the- more, yeah. Go for one it, of these more creative uh, executive names, but really an excellent descriptor for uh, what he's done for Phoenix Rising. Definitely, Kevin. What were you going to say? Oh, I was just agreeing with Aaron. It, he was he was dead on right. It's a an interesting title that leads uh, a lot of open possibilities for Sam, which I think is the kind of world that he excels in. So it's going to be interesting to see what he does there. And the responses to him announcing that were overwhelmingly positive. So many in the rising community have been affected by him positively. He's hooked it up with tickets. He's hooked it up with free magnets. He's introduced new people to matches and changed a lot of lives even. Um, so Sam has done an amazing job with us in two and a half years. So we are really going to miss him, but at least he stays in the Valley. I know a lot of rising fans are also following the Coyotes. So um, at least he stays in the Valley and stays in our lives. Yeah, it feels like he, he's going to be a bit of like a, uh, on, on the, the tax and accounting side. Sometimes you see these, sort of directors with multi-level marketing companies, right? And sometimes they'll move from one multi-level or network marketing company to another, and then they bring their whole network with them. And that's almost what it feels like Sam's going to do here 
he's going to take all these rabid fans of Phoenix Rising and uh, try to uh, create a similar environment over on the, the Coyotes side. So, you know, it's it's great to be able to see him move up a level uh, from from a Division Two. Um, I hate the term minor league. That's not what that's not at all what I mean. But you know, a, a small franchise and really be moving up to the big leagues. Uh, very similar to another person who we're going to talk about later in the podcast. Um, it's love. It's great to be able to see uh, somebody involved in our organization move to the next level. It really is. It speaks a lot to Phoenix Rising as an organization and Sam and his capabilities. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how much crossover there is uh, between uh, the Phoenix Rising fan base and um, and the Coyotes. I know there's already some crossover. Now it just makes... And me, for example, I'm not a huge hockey person. But seeing Sam Dore over there, I know he's going to bring it like he's brought it with Phoenix Rising's marketing. And now I'm a little bit more curious to see what he does. I'm going to be a little bit more tuned in. Even though hockey is probably my least favorite of the professional sports, I'm still going to be more interested now and maybe more likely to go to games and stuff because of this. Yeah, you know, what he, one, of one of the things he was great at was lowering the barriers to entry. You know, really low, making it easy for fans to be able to, to watch, to participate in. Right now, as an East Valley resident, it's really hard to be a Coyotes fan. I can't get into it because I'm not interested in taking a 45-minute drive, you know, or a, 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 actually an hour-plus drive to go over to that stadium. Well, now we have the 202. It cuts off 20 minutes off the trip uh, for, for East Valley folks. And if Sam incorporates busing like he's done for, for pub to pitch, I, I think that they have the ability to really expand a reach. Especially for their weekend day matches. Because I, I noticed one thing they've done well is they started playing on Saturdays and Sundays during the day. That's something that, even though I'm not a traditional hockey fan, my wife and I would be open to going, maybe going to a couple places in Westgate before and after and making more of a day about it. So, you just love saying wife instead of fiance, yeah. don't you? <laughs> it's you beat me to it, Aaron. <laughs> it's a lot easier to say. All <laughs> oh, right. It um, is indeed. Um, well, you know, they're going to get a couple of tickets out of uh, out of me that they otherwise wouldn't have gotten. So, you know, I guess I'm a good example of of what we might see from Phoenix Rising, people who are curious. I've never been a big hockey fan. Just, I don't have the time. But uh, because Sam's there and I want to see what's going on, yeah, I'm going to go a couple times. Why not? Um, and while we're on the, I mean, we we appreciated Sam so much. Um, let that definitely be known. But since there is so much to cover, and I think we were going to cover this later, but since Aaron mentioned it, Let's just segue right to the other person who is stepping up into the big leagues. Um, fan favorite Amadou Dia, one of the club legends, one of the longest tenured players too because he was here since the beginning of the 2017 season. He finally gets his opportunity. There were, uh, rumors, there were rumors that he would be looking for MLS. Um, those rumors were confirmed on Thursday when it was announced that he will be on the Sporting KC roster. Yeah, this is another hit in the gut 
but very happy for him type of moment, right? Um, I'm very, very happy for Amadou. Uh, but you know what? I'm very used to watching him play uh, on the field. I mean, he's always just been, you know, when it comes to defending, when it comes to just little things, throwing the ball in from out of bounds, taking, um, you know, the the corner kicks, Um He's going to be missed. He was really a, a, a huge part of what the Phoenix Rising um, image was, right? And so to lose him uh, is going to leave a hole. It's going to be interesting to see who steps in to try and kind of fill those shoes. I mean, what, what we do it's have – go for yeah. it, Aaron. Yeah, I mean, it's really a great, uh, a great thing to be able to see him step up. And it – you know, it's very interesting because obviously this is a club that drafted him. So he's returning to a very familiar field, a very familiar um, system. But I don't think Vermees was the guy who drafted him. So, um, you know, Firebird Soccer's had this had a really interesting crossover with uh, anything that's sporting KC over the years. Um, one of our first correspondents and, and writers was Chad Smith, who's with the, the Blue Testament. Um, so, you know, it, it, it's really neat to be able to see, um, there, there, there's some sort of like multi-level connection, um, as, as far as he's concerned. Yeah, I don't think we've seen the last of Amadou, uh, moving on to bigger and better things. I think, uh, Sporting KC is a great fit for him right now, but my money is on that we're going to see him with, uh, bigger clubs. Well, we shall certainly see. Um, Joseph Lowry with Rising Tactics, and he's been a guest for our show. He's really one of the godfathers of MLS knowledge. Uh, he writes for The Athletic and really knows a lot about MLS. He said Dia wanted to make the jump to the next level, and now he has. He'll be fighting for playing time every training session, but I can see him fitting in quite well in Peter Vermees' team. And that kind of agrees with what you guys were saying, but... It is a great fit. He's going back to where it started, but under a new coach that I think his distribution will be appreciated. Um, any other thoughts on Dia before we move to anything else? No, I'm just wiping the tears out of my eyes, so I'm glad we're not on video. Yeah, I mean, he... He really is like one of those bedrock players. I mean, I remember the very first games in 2017. Um, and he just made a couple he just made a couple big made a couple big defensive plays right away and just drunkenly yelling "Dia! Dia gang!" And then that completely took off into a whole other thing. Um and he's just embraced what this club has had to offer. I'm honestly surprised that he stayed for the full three years, but we really appreciated every second of it. And so many vintage performances and memories. Um, the one that sticks out in my head, of course, is that Timbers 2 match last year where we were not playing our best, but he just willed us to victory. I mean, you never see a defender will a team to victory like that with attacking and yet we're down 2-1 and he has an insane uh move to put it between the guy's legs and then finish the goal off 
and then in the stoppage time when it's two two puts in the winning header. I mean, right the at the header end that of was stoppage heard around time, the world, yeah. right at the end of stoppage time too, and that's if not for that, our streak never would have happened because that's when our streak was only at like six or seven games. You know, it was uh, I was on yeah. the uh, on the sideline with um, with uh, with JP, and um, we just couldn't believe what we were seeing. It was crazy, and you know, you see some of these guys. The thing about Dia for me is not only was he a great player, but he was a great person off the field, um, and he just wasn't ego. He he was not ego central. He. He was still a humble guy. He still just wanted to do the best for his team. You know, you don't see him pounding his chest to me, 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 and it's all about me. He was just never that way. And he did a lot for um, the community outside of him. I don't know if you remember, but when my grandson was very sick in the hospital, he led putting a video together with the team, you know, wishing Caden well. He did other stuff like that uh, across the board. Um, He's just a good person all the way around. So on the pitch, off the pitch, it's a loss for us. Yeah, my one of my best memories of Amadou is uh, um, the first game. Now, I, I'm going to back up a little bit and correct Dom. He actually wasn't with us the full three years. Uh, the 2017 uh, year, he joined us um, after the season had actually started. And uh, his first game, I believe, was June 10th, as I was looking back in the history, if I'm remembering correctly. That happened to be Didier Drogba's first game as well, uh, and he gave the assist, uh, he, or he put the assist through uh, off of his left foot that gave Drogba his first goal in a rising uniform. Um, so, you know, I mean, just immediate impact, that very first game, and you sort of saw that joy. Um, it, it's sort of interesting because it seems to me that Dia came to us uh, because of Drogba, uh, he, he came to us out of Montreal, uh, out, out of the Montreal Impact System, uh, where he had gone after he left uh, Sporting Kansas City. And that's where Drogba was immediately before. So, you know, Drogba gave us some really great memories, but I, I'm 99% sure he's also the reason why we got Amadou Dia. Yeah, and of yep. course, that's... That's the Drogba effect that happened a lot, but you know, let's let's put the credit where credit's due. I mean, Hamadou Dia was just amazing, and that's a great that's a great insight that he actually put in the assist on that first Drogba goal. I think it it must have been that match because I still distinctly remember just the first time seeing him out on the pitch, and he was such an upgrade at that left back spot. I remember the early parts of that year we were really struggling. And there were games where we'd give up three, four goals. And... Who was before? Was that Victor Vasquez? Yeah. <laughs> no, no offense to Victor, but he was such uh, an upgrade, oh, man. God. Unbelievable difference between the two players. <laughs> <laughs> Gonna have to be careful there. Yep, I agree. Um, I'll well, just I leave did... it at that. I think we covered all of the Dia stuff, but uh, he will be he will be missed, but he will be returning with Sporting KC on February 19th for that preseason match. So, you know, even though it's not included in the season tickets, I think a lot of people will be very excited to give him a, a great welcome. Yeah, and I mean, he should get some good play time because 
yeah, he should be getting some good playing time there because, um, you know, this is actually this is when they they should be testing him out. So, um, yeah, it's going to be fun to be able to see him against. Uh, we're going to be able to see him run against uh, um, uh, Junior, what against uh, Solomon Asante on the on the left side, well, left side or right side, depending on how you look at it. We'll finally get to see all those training sessions in real life. <laughs> Exactly. There could be a little bit of smack going on there. Um, I for one can't wait to see it. But let's let's move on to some other things. Let's just get all the sad stuff out of the way first. Um, another one that we saw coming, but it wasn't officially announced until I believe either late last week or early this week was Junior Johnson or uh, sorry Jason Johnson. Jason Johnson also officially announcing that he's leaving the club. Um, a very heartfelt message. Um, actually, he... I don't know what I'm saying. That was weeks ago. Who it was else, a couple weeks ago. Who said it more recently? There was definitely another person. Just Dia uh-huh. that I remember. Yeah, all I remember is Dia. Okay. It's that whole marriage thing. See what's going on here. It's the whole marriage thing. Time just <laughs> ceases to have any meaning. Jeez. <laughs> Tell me how it really is. <laughs> yeah, but the question, you know, but we can riff on that. You know, the question is where do we see Jason going from here. Uh, you know, I, I think he's um, he's toward the, the upper end of an of age, especially for a striker. Um, he's kind of in that Adam John-esque age range where he's sort of limited on Division II um, as an international player, but he still has all the personality in the world to make an effect somewhere. Um, let's just hope that it's not anywhere in the Western Conference because, you know, I love the guy. I don't want to cheer against him. That, that's not what I'm about at all. No, I don't want to have to root against... Uh against JJ. Um, you know, it's interesting. Um, Amadou, we all kind of had a feeling we knew what was going to happen with him with, with JJ, uh, completely up in the air. Um, I haven't, uh, I, I reached out to him once, but I didn't hear back from him. But then again, he usually takes like a week to respond to anything. Um, so no news so far, but certainly something that we're going to want to keep up on. He's just a quality person. Um, I wonder, you know, I wondered about Alessandro, right? So maybe that's what you had in the back of your head, Dom, was Alessandro Rigi, but that was a couple weeks ago, too. That one I knew was a while back. Yeah. Um, with Alessandro, I'd wondered if he would get picked up, and I was really worried about it because of all of his injuries, right? Um, same thing to a smaller degree with, uh, with JJ. Um, but uh, hopefully something good, you know, turns out for him. It just feels late for JJ to be picked up somewhere, you know, to me. I mean, here we are, we're in January. Rosters for most teams should be pretty well set, and we don't have a destination. There, there's no destination announced for him. So I don't know if he's going to try to move to a team on the international calendar. Maybe he can't sign until the next international window. I don't, I, I don't know what the deal is, but it, it makes me a little nervous for him. Um Kevin, do you know do you know much about the team that uh, Rigi has gone to? Um, 
Yeah, so, and boy, you're going to ask me for the name of them, and I can't think of it, but they, the, the one of the podcasters for the team reached out to me and asked me if I'd give them kind of an overview of what to expect with Alessandro, and um, so I kind of gave them my breakdown on, on Alessandro and what was happening there. Uh, you know, they seem to be uh, very excited. The, the remarks that I saw on the podcast uh, Twitter uh, the people who are responding were very excited to have them. Um, I think it's going to be a great positive experience for them. Um, I did touch base quickly with Alessandro uh, a couple of weeks ago, and he's very excited to be there. He's he's just stoked to get back on the pitch. So I think he's going to be a very happy camper up there. Halifax Wanderers FC in the Canadian Premier League. That's it. Halifax. Yep. Thank you, Dom. No problem. Um, Which is considered... Division two league, isn't it? Yes. But the winner of that gets, or the winner of, uh, no, it's the winner of the Canada Cup that gets into the um, CONCACAF Champions League. Yeah, I think that they're only considered Division two um, because of, uh, so that they don't screw with Toronto and with Montreal on, you know, on the MLS side. Um, and Vancouver, but everyone forgets about them. They're still playing. <laughs> exactly. Um, well, let's let's get to some things that actually matter, um, like our MLS preseason schedule, which was announced this week. Um, we'd love to have Vancouver down here in Tucson one of these years, but it seems like that's never going to happen. Who is coming down for this? Um it was Houston Dynamo, New York Red Bulls, Sporting KC, Real Salt Lake, and I'm definitely one team short. Dynamo? We Irish said Dynamo. Houston. Yeah, let's see. Who, oh, Columbus. Uh... And Columbus. Oh, uh, yeah. Yep. And our three matches in this cup. So it's, it's kind of interesting. I have mixed feelings about the new cup structure, but... All three of our cup matches are in Phoenix at the Soccer Complex. We play Columbus Crew on Saturday, February 15th, Sporting KC on Wednesday the 19th, and uh, Real Salt Lake on Saturday the 22nd. And all of those are going to be 7 o'clock kickoffs. What are your guys' thoughts on that? Because all the other matches are in Tucson. So I have an opinion, but I want to hear yours first. Well, I'm lazy. Well, I heard so... some people. Hey, go ahead, Kevin. Oh, sorry, Aaron. Um, I'm lazy, so I don't mind the uh, Casino Arizona field location for games. It's fun to go down to uh, Tucson. Um, but honestly, if I'm going to save up tokens for going down to Tucson, I want to be able to go down and support FC Tucson um, uh, during their regular season. Um, I'm excited for the games. Uh, I think it's kind of interesting because I think in degrees of difficulty, we, we ratchet up a notch. Um, I, I, you know, I think with Columbus crew, we come in, you know, that they're going to be a tough opponent. I think sporting KC is raising the, the bar a little bit. And then I think real salt Lake is raising the bar even a little bit more. And you're looking, um, at three games in what a seven day period. Uh, this is not going to be an easy schedule. Um, Phoenix rising, at the end of this, uh, at the end of this tournament, is going to be one tired squad. 
Um, I'm happy with it. I think the Cup's going to be running well. I wish that we were seeing us against uh, Red Bulls, um, but uh, it is what it is. But overall, I'm, I'm pretty happy with the schedule. Yeah, I mean, so my thought is, I like that we get a lot of home matches. My only wish was that one of those Saturdays, we could have had it lined up so that we were playing down there, and then we could have seen Phoenix Rising, and we could have seen a couple MLS friendlies, and maybe FC Tucson could have been part of it too. I think it would have been cool to see something like that, and maybe the club still has a friendly against FC Tucson lined up. I don't know, but... uh. I definitely wanted to go down there and see a few matches, and that's something that fans have had the opportunity to do in past years. Yeah, seeing other games down there definitely uh, would have been would have been a blast. Um, you know, for me, it, it comes down to uh, balancing out my soccer credits with uh, Nitya Dom. I'm sure it's the same way with Tasha, right? Hey, yeah, baby. yeah, Wanna definitely. Go spend a Saturday down in Tucson. <laughs> well, that's the thing, though. So, like, I was, I was excited about the opportunity to make something of it and like make it a trip, and maybe stay in an Airbnb or like do do something cool where it's not just about the soccer. But not happening this year. Yeah, you definitely have to uh, to balance it out. Look, and look, it's only. You know, it's 90 minutes or maybe two hours in between. You could still kind of do that if you wanted to catch the first game, skip the second game, and be up here for the third. But that makes a long, a long afternoon. Um, and I don't know that it's going to be too worth it. I, it is really strange how compressed it is that all the games are taking place on a Saturday, a Wednesday, and a Saturday that follow each other. Um, it, it seems like teams that are just trying to get their legs are really putting their players almost a little bit at risk there. Um, but I, I mean, I guess they'll have a couple weeks of practices before that beforehand to try to get up to full speed. And we'll probably see some split squad matches. We'll see some, you know, wholesale first team in the first half, second team in the second half kind of things going on too. Yeah, I, I think, I, Aaron, you hit the nail on the head. I think injuries is going to be one of the biggest uh, factors that they've got to keep in mind. I mean, you got to think about it. This this starts February 15th. I, I'm not sure when Phoenix Rising is going to start having people come in and start getting into their fitness uh, regimes, but uh, I can't imagine that it's anywhere um, sooner than uh, around the last week of January, right? So that gives them two weeks. Um, doing, you know, team fitness oriented stuff. Um, and you're always going to be worried about strains and pulls, you know, and, and, uh, it's, it's a grueling schedule, uh, for, for a, a team that might not be completely fit just yet. Well, and then that's where you take these results with a grain of salt because last year we got smashed pretty good in almost all of those preseason matches. We had the one win over Timbers at the very end of it, but the rest of those were pretty ugly. So, you know, you have to remember that it's primarily about fitness for the players. Rick Schantz even tipped his hand a little bit in the interview with Doug and Wolf this week that the first match, he's just planning on playing the guys like 30 minutes each. He's not trying to really make anyone go harder than they need to. 
And it is just about getting the guys match time and getting them fit because it is a grueling schedule. And, and I'd imagine most MLS clubs will treat it the same way. What I'm intrigued to see is uh, the 19th and the 22nd because that's closer to the MLS season starting because their season starts a little bit before USL. I especially imagine that 22nd match against Real Salt Lake. They're going to be playing a lot of first-team guys for a while. Uh, you're absolutely right. And we're still missing some players from our roster. So the, there's a strong likelihood that we'll see some trialists out there as well. Um, you, you know, it's folks that we don't know the names of or can't pronounce the names of and whatnot. <laughs> so, you know, it's just it's a it's a unique opportunity to be able to see some some of the back end about how training works and how coaches go about their their midweek days. No doubt. Um, I think another thing we got to talk about part of this huge, huge news week for Phoenix Rising and for the USL's whole is the schedule release. So after an agonizingly long wait, thanks Miami FC, we finally get the schedule. Um, and for real, we the schedule would have come out at least two weeks earlier if not for Miami FC being included. That kind of changed everything up. They had to uh, figure out how to do the matches. And I imagine, if not for Miami FC, St. Louis might have been in the Eastern Conference again because it would have been 16 and 18. So that's... Wait, did I not notice this? Did they move St. Louis over again? No, St. Louis has been in the East. So they're still... Oh, no, no. Okay, so they're in the East. They must. They would have had to move someone else over to the East. Possibly. Oh, okay. All right. Okay, my bad. My bad. Um, but we we got a schedule. Miami FC is in. Um, some cool national TV games, but from a Phoenix Rising perspective, it leaves a little bit wanting, to be honest. Um, we get an easy enough home opener, but then we're going to have a few tough away matches to start the year. At Monarchs. Um, and then also in the first month and a half, we play at San Antonio and at Orange County. And that Orange County match is a Friday match. It's not a Saturday like it's been in recent seasons. Kind of a bummer for fans that wanted to travel and, you know, possibly doing a fan bus out there. Makes it all tougher because it's on a Friday and it's it's not a holiday weekend. The other big bummer, San Diego Loyal. Everyone was super pumped about that. They're playing that one on a Wednesday. And then we play Los Dos on Saturday. Like, why? Why can't we just switch those USL? Come on. Yeah, you know, it's funny because that was important to us, mainly because we wanted to be able to support our team. And, you know, a lot of us were planning on making a good road trip out of it. For By the by, I'm still looking at uh, just spending a couple of days in San Diego starting on that uh, – on that Wednesday and maybe I'll rent a house and offer rooms up to people if they want to do the same. Um, it's, you know, if you saw the backlash on, on Twitter, you know, Oh, Phoenix rising, you elitist, you think everything should be, you know, wrapped around you. That's not what it's about. You know, we're just trying to say we can draw a bigger audience. We can, we can, you know, just make a better presence for the game overall. 
And that's really important for the USL. Now, I think there is something to be said about not conflicting with the Liga MX games. Um, if San Diego Loyal does have uh, a lot of dependence um, for the Latino um, uh, fans to be showing up, from what I've seen, and I don't know if these statistics are right or wrong, but it sounds like a lot of people, I saw numbers like 10,000 or so, 12,000 um, cross the border to watch Liga MX games, and uh, and they would lose a lot of potential audience. So I, I, I can understand kind of that point of view too. But either way, it's a bummer. Well, and I don't think there would necessarily... Sorry, I was going to say that was really intelligent on the San Diego side to be able to do their scheduling that way. I, I think that there's a, a couple ways that USL could have supported them a little bit um, and, and, and still achieved our means. The way the Orange County game is that backs up to it is that we play Orange County at home before playing San Diego, and that would have been better if they would have switched it. We could have gone to the Orange County game. We could have gone to the San Diego game. They're you know two hours, uh, two hours apart from each other, two and a half hours apart. That would have made tons more sense than playing Orange County at home and then playing San Diego away. Yeah, I mean, there's, I'm sure that it's a, it's a lot easier for us armchair analysts to complain about the schedule than it is for the actual schedule makers having to balance everything. But it is a little disappointing because we were pretty happy about the thought of going to San Diego on a weekend. And who knows? I mean, maybe... Michael Vanderplast had suggested you might as well just make a vacation out of it, do San Diego, and then do LA later. Um, it's a possibility, but it definitely cuts down the amount of fans that would be able to travel out for that. And who doesn't want to see Landon Donovan on the sideline? And who doesn't want to see a new USL stadium for the first time? I'm actually really hyped about San Diego Loyal. I think they're going to have a good audience. I think it's going to be a good atmosphere and they're going to be a very welcome addition to the usl absolutely much better than what uh, las vegas brought to the plate right so uh, i'm very happy uh, to see them be a part of it and looking forward to a good rivalry there now if you want to look at the bright side of things i'm really happy that our second game is against real monarchs um first of all i want to get right back onto the pitch with those rat bastards and beat them Second of all, it's not the first game of the season, which means we get to get a game underneath our feet before we have to go up to Salt Lake and play these guys. That, for me, is a definite away game that I'm going to attend. Um, are you all uh, as equally hyped about that game? I'm hyped about watching it. Um, I think that's probably a distance too far for me to travel, but I'm very hyped to watch it. And I, I love that it's right in the beginning of the season Maybe they're not 100% ready to go, and it's a great opportunity to get up there and show them what this what this season's going to be about and that we're coming for that blood. And if they beat us, there's not really any pressure because it's still the beginning of the season and, you know, there's still a lot of ball left to play. There are definitely some other parts of the schedule that I like, too. I, I like um, getting Orange County on a dollar beer night, um, and that'll be on ESPN Deportes, so that's kind of cool. Um, I like that Vegas Lights is the last home match of the season. Um, they could be scrapping out for a wild card spot, so it'd be really fun to deny them that opportunity at home. Um, and then I really like I really like Sacramento away to end the season too. That feels like a really big tune-up for playoffs, and there could be some implications for that. 
it just feels right. It always feels like a big match when we're playing away to Sacramento. And I love that that's the last match of the season. I think it's it's fun that we've got um, our New Mexico United games spread out a little bit. Uh, that's another away game that I want to attend this year. Um, and again, this, that's those are games that I consider must wins, whether we're home or away. That's going to be a lot of fun. Um, but I agree with you. Uh, I think being able to end the season pounding Las Vegas lights into the pitch will be uh, a great way to end the season. And interesting that both of those Las Vegas matches are in our last six of the season. I don't think I've ever seen it um, the last few years in USL where we've played both our matches against the club that late into the season. Um, so they could be out of the running by then. Or they could be right in the mix of things and we'd have a chance to uh, to give them some pretty bad blows. But it's it's a very interesting scheduling uh thing like I, I really haven't seen it happen like that interesting um who do you think is a matchup that you just don't think is going to be a very interesting matchup this year that's like which one are you just not enthused about uh just one that yeah you just think meh it's a meh team you know it'll be a i'm not going to say it's a gimme game but it's not going to be anything probably that's going to be, unless something extremely different happens than you would expect, just isn't going to be that, uh, that great of game probably. Aaron, do you want to take this one? I looked at the schedule and I didn't like find like a gauntlet that we have to run through. You know, I think we had a stretch of, um, of games last season through last season. that it was like, why do we keep having these tough teams one after another? And I don't really feel the same way this time around. Um, yeah, that's that's my only thoughts. You know, it's funny, Aaron, because um, that brings me. I I love I love 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 the schedule, the printable schedule, and online the digital schedule that they have online. Uh, for its ingenuity, but what I don't like is that I don't have a schedule that gives me in chronological order what our games are. So and I'm making my own calendar so I can see that because I want to look for trends like that too. And I haven't, I haven't done it yet. So I haven't seen anything. Uh, but that's, uh, that's something that I, I want to do is, are there any, there were definite points in our last season where we're like, good Lord, we got to get through these three or four games. This is going to be a tough stretch. I don't know if we have it this year or not. So Kevin, well, we I'm do gonna... have this really long stretch of away games. That's the thing. <clears throat> I think what, do we have four or five away games? Um, I don't see a stretch like that. I do see us having four straight home matches in late May and early June. Um, I think what this schedule does bring, kind of tying all the points together, and and by the way, Kevin, there's a there's a tweet from Jake Anderson that does have the schedule in chronological order, and I okay, believe it's cool. also in chronological order on the Phoenix Rising app. I'll have to look. We retweeted it on the Rising as One account because I was in complete agree agreement with you. I was looking for that chronological order, and I finally found it. So thank you, Jake Anderson, for that. Um, anyone else, go check that tweet out. But this schedule has a lot more balance to it. It's not going to be a simple start to the season, and especially on the road, there are some tough matches. But then once things get going we're going to have a chance to really get in a groove with things in May and June. 
as I was saying before, um, after the Orange County away match on the 17th, we start really, really having a nice stretch of matches. OKC at home, RGV at home, Tacoma away, Sac Republic, Colorado Springs, Reno, El Paso, all at home, back-to-back. Tough teams, but they're all at home. So that's six out of seven home matches. Then away to home, away to New Mexico, home to Orange County. And then even then we have a few away matches, but nothing that'll blow your socks off. You know, San Diego away, Los Dos away, Austin away, Monarchs home, Timbers 2 away, Tulsa home. I don't think things pick up a little bit more until El Paso on August 8th. So there's a real opportunity for Phoenix to pile up some points in the middle of the season. And that's important because the end of the season is going to be tough with those Las Vegas matches aside. And even the midweek Las Vegas away would be a tough one, I I would say. But we're away to Colorado Springs, home Los Dos, away to Vegas, home to San Antonio, away OKC, away Reno, home to Vegas, away Sacramento. I don't want to be in a situation where we're needing to scramble for points at the end of the season because those are not gimme matches. Colorado Springs has improved a lot from last year to this. Um, and even Vegas is trying to do better, so I, especially the away match, that's not a gimme. Looking at this, and thank you, Dom, for pointing out that the Rising FC app, which is a great app, by the way, has it in chronological order. Um, what's interesting, just from my first glance at it this way, um, is we see that we've got uh, between June 19th and August 1st uh, one home game. So we will be away, except for July 17th, home against Real Monarchs. We will be on the road through June and July. Then we have August 1st, and then uh, until August 22nd, we are away again. So we are going to see, it feels to my gut, that we will be away in the summertime uh, just as much, maybe a smidgen more than we were last year during the during the hot summer months is my point. Yeah, and that's that's pretty standard practice for USL. I was actually surprised though that they bunched so many of our home games in like late May, early June, as opposed to like a month earlier, because. That's a real home advantage for us. I mean, it still gets up to 100-plus by the end of May. Yep. Well, what it really means is that if we're not clicking going into those matches, that we're going to be at a real disadvantage late in the season. We have to pick up early points and make people chase us and take advantage of that home, that that huge home stand uh, that's like, I tweeted it out. It was like six six games in eight weeks. Um, because if we don't pick up hurting come the middle of the summer, toward the end of the summer, and we're going to be in that situation that you're talking about, Dom. I think one interesting subplot to this is it'll be interesting to see the attendance numbers during that home stretch. Will there be any rising fatigue? I hope not, but, um, you know, four straight home matches, only one of those is a dollar beer night. And then you have the possibility of open cup home matches in that stretch too. I'm just, I'm just curious to see if if uh, Rising Nation can bring the, 
bring the passion and keep those numbers in a good spot? You know, if, if nothing else, I think this team is gaining more and more attention and momentum in the Valley. Um, I fully expect that we are going to see more new fans this season than we have in any other previous season, which I'm really looking forward to. And it's also a bit disconcerting because as far as every time I drive by the stadium, I'm looking for construction, looking to see if they're expanding the stadium. Right. And I just haven't seen anything. Uh, and, um, and so I think, you know, we've got our core supporters where we're going to bring it all the time, no matter what. And then we're going to have our non-core supporters who kind of like to sit there and, and watch the game, but they show up. Right. I don't think we're going to have a problem filling the stands. Um, I just think we're, we have so much word of mouth around the club. Uh, I tweeted out uh, maybe two weeks ago, um, you know, I've got a bunch of Phoenix Rising stuff on the back of my car. Uh, I've had several people, they pull up to red lights next to me. They, you know, honk at me to roll down my window. They ask me who PRFC is. Um, I'm talking, you know, I go, I went to my mail place, my, you know, I go to the uh, fries to buy food. People see my Phoenix Rising shirt and they're like, oh yeah, we're going to go to a game. Um, place where I hang out for great mimosas. Gave him some free tickets last year. He's starting to buy more and more tickets. He's thinking about getting a season ticket. So I just feel like there's going to be this momentum where we're going to have butts and seats. I think that we're going to be able to uh, to grow. And, and the thing that would be a shame is if we start to grow to a point where we're maxing out the stadium and selling out, and we could be selling out more, but we don't have the expansion on a stadium. Well, I mean, you know, that kind of brings us to, and, and Dom, I don't know, I don't think this was on our rundown, but, um, I, I you wait. know, in, in, I want to save this because there's a supporter section question that addresses this perfectly. All right, then we'll I'll hold. Um, the only things we have to do before we get to those supporter section questions are talk about two unofficial, but it seems like they're pretty legit signings that leaked late this week, both from Europe, uh, and it was actually sounding like fans from those teams were announcing it first um but nothing official has come out from phoenix rising aaron um i know you reached out to jose how did that go yeah so um and and i because i'm out traveling and i'm gonna butcher his name if i try to do it by memory uh we have a player that's coming out of germany yeah rafat dadashev team itself basically announced that he was departing for phoenix rising so his former team basically said He's not dedicated to us anymore, so we need to get rid of him, and he's leaving leaving us to go to Phoenix Rising. We interrupt your podcast to delete a bunch of information that we were opining about before the signing became final. Rufat Dadashev was signed and announced on Monday. Would be an interesting uh, an interesting win uh, for us. I looked at some of the the stats that he had. Um, some, I, I read through the threads, you know, of, of, uh, the fans from, uh, Poison Munster, um, to see what their take was on him. And some of them had this take of, you know, good riddance, you're not producing for us. Um, he's, he seems to be a pretty good striker. He's a number nine. He, you know, he could fit in as a, as a great, uh, sub for, uh, Adam John, um, you know, people are worried if he has a bad attitude or not. You know, my take on that is, look, they're 
are players that get dissatisfied for one reason or another with the team and make it known that they want to they want to move. Um, and so it doesn't necessarily mean that he has a, a really bad attitude. It just means that he's unhappy where he is and wants to make a, a change. Um, so, you know, it'll be interesting to see. Um, Dom, you'd asked me before, uh, Poison Munster is part of three Liga in Germany, and you were asking, you know, are they comparable to the USL championship? Um, you want me to dive into that real quick? Yeah, my thought was that they were – that that league is probably a little better, but yeah, why don't you enlighten us? Yeah, so um, I, I I think it's fair to say that we are in the same ballpark with Three Liga. Um, Three Liga is about twelve years old, thirteen years old, somewhere in there. Um, basically, in Germany, there are a bunch of uh, a lot of regional. You have Regionale Liga, you have Bundesliga Two, you have got Oberliga. There used to be Amateur Liga. And what they've been doing over the years, and this goes back to like the 70s, is consolidating and consolidating more um, just to kind of control the, the chaos. So when it comes to um, today, you have Bundesliga, you have Zweite Bundesliga or two Bundesliga, and then you have three Liga, right? So um, you could compare them to USL. Uh, whether they're better or not than USL Championship you know, I, I look at it this way. Um, a lot of American players want to go to Europe to get training because the training there is superior. If the training there is superior, then maybe that means that they're going to have an edge. But that being said, I would feel like if uh, a Real Monarchs, if a Phoenix Rising, uh, Red Bulls too maybe uh, went up or, or Tampa Bay Rowdies went up against uh, a Preussen Munster or an Ingolstadt or uh, a Kaiser Slaughtern. Um, it'd be a good game. I don't think there would be uh, there would be any uh, boring time on the pitch at all. I think it'd be a dog fight and it would be a good fight and we'd have a very good chance of winning. So it's you know you, you can't sit there and say I'm comparing apples to apples 100 percent, but I think they're I think they're pretty close. Yeah, and and I mean I don't understand the commentary from his team's fans that he's not producing for them. Good riddance. I'm looking at his full season stats. The dude has six goals in 20 matches. A lot of, you know, a few of those have been sub appearances too. He even had two goals for them in December. So yeah, six I, goals, two assists. I don't get it either. Um, picky Germans, right? <laughs> I guess, but I think this dude could really blow up. Ultimately, the question is, what role does he play on this Phoenix Rising squad? You, you know, I mean... Is what what support does he provide for Adam John? Yeah, agreed, Aaron. Uh, we lost you, so in that center striker role. I, I wouldn't. I don't think it's fair to say he's Ben Spencer Part Two. Um, one thing I did notice: this guy is a lot older than Ben Spencer was. He's actually twenty eight already, yep. and so it's kind of weird that he's similar position, similar age to Adam John. Um, and so maybe it's just they're going to split time so that both guys are more fresh for Open Cup and playoffs and stuff. This gets to maybe a bigger point about the roster construction as a whole, whereas maybe the top starting 11 players are not quite as good as we were last year. But I do think that this team has a lot more quality depth than last year's squad. And I think this front office had the idea of really giving Open Cup 
a good run this year and being able to do both without suffering. Yeah, depth is unquestionably what Rick Schantz is, is going after here. You know, I, I look at uh, Rufat and I wonder, um, is he an upgrade from, say, a Ben Spencer? And I'm I'm not sure. Um, you know, Ben didn't have six goals to assist last year, but he didn't get the time on the field that, that uh, this guy had, right? Um, he's younger. Uh, when he did play, I thought he did a great job. He's a big guy. He's a good number nine type of player. Um, you, we need somebody to fill that role to give Adam John a break because I don't think there was anybody on the team with heavier legs at the end of the season than than Adam. He laid out every ounce of energy on that pitch that he possibly could last year. Um, so we, we definitely need somebody. Interestingly, this is another guy that has national team experience. Um, he has played for the Azerbaijan national team 24 times with five goals in those appearances. I don't know what his last appearance was. Looks like... I mean, it looks like he actually still plays for them. Um, so that's another thing to consider. We might be missing him for international breaks. Yep. Well, I, yeah, because even as recently as, you know, October 13th of 2019, he was on the bench with the national squad. Yeah, interesting. Uh, it's a it's a good it's a good question. You know, it's um, it is not easy to go from here to Europe and back uh, as many soccer players do. It's not easy. There's recovery time uh, when you do that. And so that is that's an interesting uh, an interesting uh, insight. Well, I think we do have another um, unofficial official signing to talk about. Um, sorry that my dogs are going a little bit crazy right now. Um, but I think it's because they're pretty hyped about this guy. So this kid, I think there's some more potential here. Roberto Alarcon Saez. This kid is 21 years old, out of Spain. Um, he's played for the Mallorca 2 squad in uh, Segunda Division. So, you know, pretty high level of, of competition. Probably higher than uh, 3 Liga in Germany. Um, and he's... You know, in the 2018-19 season, in the 2018-19 season, he had a lot going on. He had uh, 25 appearances, 19 starts, um, and five goals in those appearances. This season, not quite as much. Um, four starts and seven matches for Mallorca 2, just one goal from those matches. But the kid's super young, um, and he plays midfielder. So I wonder if he's going to link up with Bacaro in the midfield. Yeah, uh, it's going to be interesting because I, I keep joking that our, our formation this year is going to be a, a one, you know, nine, one type of uh, type of uh, formation because we have so many midfielders going on. Um, he looks like a very promising long term pickup for Phoenix Rising. Uh, I am equally excited about him. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. I haven't seen any film on him yet, uh, but I haven't really tried to look. But I, I can imagine that uh, we bring him on the left on the left side. He's a winger, so he's probably got good speed. Um, 
looking at some of the statistics that you can see out there on him, he looks like he can distribute the ball well. Um, overall, I think he's uh, one of the strongest uh, acquisitions that we've had this year. Yeah, I think he'll be... I mean, it's it's insane how crowded our midfield is, but another guy that's going to be competing for a starting spot and another guy I'd imagine will be at least part of our regular rotation and it's part of building our network for Spanish players because now we have Aguinaga, we have Baquero, we have Saez, and look at this, future uh, in the future, Spanish players are going to be looking at, look, at all these players that have connections with Phoenix Rising and have played for them and are doing well. So it's starting to, we're starting to drop roots down there, just like we've already been doing in Jamaica, just like we have been doing in Africa a little bit, starting to drop these global roots in places. And with uh, his age where his age is, and as few signings as we've heard about with FC Tucson, I, I think I've only heard of like one signing, one or two signings for FC Tucson. Uh, you know, maybe he's going to be playing down there half time. Maybe he's going to be in that Devin Vega role, but hopefully he'll actually complete it. Yeah, it's that's an interesting uh, thought, Aaron. Uh, having him split between the two would, uh, as a development, you know, type of a, a development uh, role would be interesting. And with um, Steve Cook in place. And finally, really having somebody who's dedicated to player development, right? And making sure that there is a, a pro academy in place, that we've got a path for players to develop across. Um, we're going to be able to see someone who's got the focus to help players really do that uh, the right way. Not that we've been doing it wrong before, but it's just nice to know that Steve's in that new position and that he's going to be focused totally on player development. Yeah, you know, and you and you bring up a really good point there because as I was looking at this at this German signing, I'm going, what? Where is the connection here? How how did we even get on the radar of a, of a German Division three striker? Um, Dia, as I discussed before, likely came through connections from Drogba. Uh, Dambuya played with Peter Ramage at Crystal Palace. Um, Stewart, and you know, we've had some other guys play with Sean Sean Wright Phillips. Um, and, and so you can sort of trace the lineage or the, the connection through there. And I'm looking at this German, this German signing going, how was this even possible? Maybe this was a Steve Cook thing and, and part of his network. Um, so the network piece of it really is super key. Yeah. Yeah. Hadn't thought of that. That's a great point, Aaron. Yeah. You know, and, and I don't know who else would be able to do that besides Steve Cook. If, if you look at what we've got when it comes to who we've, we've brought on board so far, Alarcon, uh, Dadashev, or however you pronounce his name, um, Schweitzer, Moore, um, Contour, King, Barmby, you look at these different players and you, you wonder to yourself, okay, a lot of these guys are a little bit older. I think Darnell King is like 28, 29 years old. Uh, Santi Moore's up there too. Um, does that give us the flexibility to do more development with FC Tucson? And is that what Steve Cook is, is adding to the mix as uh, Rick's out there? Uh, hiring for uh, for the team. It's it's it tells me that maybe 
there's a more long-term outlook going on with the club. Yeah, and it'll be fun to track that. Um, however, I think at this point, we have talked about all our players. We've talked about all the huge news with this club. We brought back the supporter section questions because there was so much to discuss this week. And so let's get right into them. Um, a couple. And I actually want to do the one that was uh, posed second first because this one went directly to the point that Aaron wanted to talk about earlier. This comes from Ken Knighton at Ken Knighton Jr. Do you think this will be our final season at Casino Arizona Field? I've been reading reports of a new project to be built at our current site. Pull out your crystal ball, Aaron. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, this is a really interesting thing. This land is controlled by a group called the Solana Group. Uh, the Solana Group... Uh, was tied in with Phoenix Rising to allow us, the number one, allow us to use the land, but also with the hopes that the Solana group would have some sort of a role in terms of developing the land related to the to an MLS franchise. As it as it's now become clear that MLS does not want us or isn't interested in us for for at least the near in in the near future, um, you know they're they're obviously looking to try to move the project along so that they can start developing their mixed use uh, their mixed use plan. Uh, I've heard this 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 plot, this piece of land described as the largest contiguous piece of land uh, for de- ready for development, not only in the Phoenix area, but in, in the entire western United States. Um, it's a piece of land that stretches all the way from the river bottom up, up to McKellips uh, and then from the 101 freeway all the way over to... Uh, so it is a huge plot of land that they want to do something with. It's all on the most of it is being used for farming at this point. So it's ready to, they're ready to do something with this. And they don't want to wait for this franchise anymore. Now, it was very heartening that that whatever descript that whatever renderings that they issued did have a stadium. And that to me that did not look like an MLS size stadium, but my scale you know maybe off uh, does that mean that they that they're looking for just something are they looking for phoenix rising are they looking for the coyotes what are they actually looking looking to use this line for and unfortunately at this point i think if you're if you're talking about the coyotes the diamondbacks or phoenix rising we're probably put into third place in terms of um, in terms of site, I don't want to call it viability, but desirability that they would want to partner with. So, yeah, I mean, it's very, very concerning. To me. You know, it's interesting. The article that was uh, published yesterday on AZ Central uh, said that there could be two sport venues on the site, right? So then we could have a mix. I mean, I, I kind of made a joke about, you know, furthering the bromance between uh, the the Arizona Coyotes and, and Phoenix Rising. But you've got a good point there, Aaron, at least when it comes to um, current fan bases. Um, I wonder if you look at the development and the fan base potential for over, you know, let's say give it another three to five years and then further out into the future, how large the uh, the soccer fan base is going to grow. And I think it could grow quite large 
but I, I, you know, everybody wants an immediate return, right? So it's going to be interesting to see, A, if they're looking at one or two sports venues, and B, how the USL team is viewed in that lineup. Man, it's a, it's a hard question to answer because so much of it depends on what's going on behind the scenes, stuff that we are not privy to. Not for lack of trying. No, no. <laughs> I mean, um, like you said, Kevin, the one thing that was helpful and a little bit encouraging is that the renderings did have the Uprising logo on what looked like a pretty soccer-specific stadium. Um, but is, was that just already there? Was Is there anything really to that? Who knows? Maybe they just put a soccer-specific stadium there. But then if one of the other clubs comes saying, look, we want to move to this plot of land, like Aaron was saying... Maybe they say, all right, well, if the D-backs want to come here, yeah, that's a bigger opportunity for us. There's so much so, going and on I, behind the scenes. And I think that there's – yeah, there's and there's another there's another layer to it too, right? Because let's go ahead and say that they do uh, uh, put in that soccer-specific facility, that championship stadium that the Valley needs so desperately for – uh, you know, for anything from, you know, state championships to, you know, to high level amateur leagues um, to, you know, UPSL, NPSL, whatever, that they just decide they're going to do it. It's not going to be a stadium controlled by Phoenix Rise. And we've seen issues with that all across the league of what happens when we have leagues or when we have stadiums that aren't under team control, whether it's Fresno as issues or, um, you know, I mean, that that's obviously the, the newest, latest, and greatest example uh, of a problem child, that if the team isn't controlling revenues coming out of that stadium, what can you do? I think we discussed on the last podcast, you know, or maybe it was just online, if Phoenix Rising has to move to um, Sun Devil, uh, the Sun Devil Soccer Complex, uh, you know, because we can't use this land anymore, there's no more dollar beer nights. That's all controlled by a, a, a contract uh, by Sodexo Marriott that they control the food service there. So if you're talking about beers, you're talking about eight, nine, ten dollar beers because it's part of that contract, and that is, you know, a, a third party that's managing that stadium. Yeah, we lost you there at the end, there, Aaron. Um, but your your point is well, well taken. I mean, this is a rabbit hole that can get very deep very quickly um, and has tendrils that go out to multiple different subjects. I mean, I'll just throw on into the hat. Um, we haven't heard anything from Alex Zhang in a long time. What's happening there? Um, is is the, the lack of movement from Phoenix Rising for a stadium because uh, we've got less participation I mean, he's still an owner, as far as I know, but maybe we don't have the uh, the kind of uh, willingness to invest that that he had uh, proposed in the beginning. And I have no idea. This is all conjecture, but the rabbit hole can get very deep very quickly. Yeah, and that's why I'm not even worrying about it right now. When whenever something comes out, I track it, but you know, unfortunately us podcasters don't have the answers. Um, nope. I mean, if, to, if I had to put a percentage on it, I think it's more likely than not that we are still playing 
where we're playing right now at the beginning of the 2021 season. But that's really all I can do. Yeah. Certainly our lease does go through 2021. So it would, you know, it only make sense. They wouldn't, you know, you know, on the McKellips the one one that sense than starting it on the south end of the property where there's only one side of a freeway exit. I mean, there's also just like you said, it's conjecture. I mean, we're just looking into, we're just trying to look at an eight ball and try and figure out what everything actually means. You know, we have a Sam Dora department. We have two owners that are now involved in a project on the east coast. Uh, we have our billionaire that hasn't been seen for a while. You know, like where's the where's the ownership enthusiasm in all of this? Is it still there? Um, are our fans from year one going to come back in year four without bathrooms? I mean, this is all stuff that's really serious and that's part of our team. Um, so, I mean, this is kind of a depressing podcast, guys. I really need some Prozac. <laughs> yeah. Well, well we tend to predict uh, on the negative. Well, let's go to um, our other supporter section question, which unfortunately won't make Aaron feel a lot better. Um, this one comes from, give me one second. This was definitely about Sam Dor. I think this was actually from the ghost of Luke Rooney, who has a very big social media presence. Um, definitely a must follow if you're interested in seeing Phoenix Rising news. Um, so, the, so ghost of Luke Rooney asks, where do we go from here without Sam? Do you think that's replicated again? Um and I, I just don't think it's very likely that that gets replicated again. I mean, I'm sure that we're going to have a strong social media presence. I'm sure that, I mean, that's the standard that fans have come to expect. And that's the standard that the front office knows they need to uphold. But there's only one Sandor. Well, yeah. I think what he's been able I mean, look, there, there is a lot of talent around uh division two or lower lower division leagues uh whether you're looking at you know all of the you know interesting promotional uh activities that, that uh, 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 AAA, double baseball teams have teams who are inspired by what sam door has done uh like um you know like forward madison or something like that there are folks out there who can can bring to the table what they can bring, you know, what, what their concepts and ideas are. And, you know, the, hopefully just the idea um, that the t- that are, that Bobby Dooley will give them enough rope to be able to take risks. Yeah. To your point, Aaron, uh, there are, you know, Madison forward, even uh, Chattanooga Red Wolves. There are a couple of other examples out there where there's some really good, uh, VPs of marketing doing some some great work. So Sam, you know, fulfilling his shoes or filling his shoes is going to be very difficult, maybe even impossible, just because he created this image for Phoenix Rising. He made us a leader in the USL. He really, uh, you know, how many other teams know who Sam Doerr is? And we don't know who any of the VPs of any other teams are of marketing are. We have no idea. That's how much of an impact he's had. So can we absolutely replicate him? No. But can we get somebody in who can do a, a really good job? Yeah, I, I hope so. 
Yeah. Any any thoughts on that question? I mean, I know we talked about Sandor quite a bit at the beginning of this show. Well, I, the the last thing I'll say on it is is whoever comes in needs to look at Sam's track record with Phoenix Rising, what he was doing. He needs to be able to pick Sam's brain, understand where Sam was headed with different ideas that he was developing, and then pick up that ball, give it their own flavor, and move forward. Yeah, whoever comes in will have a lot to to learn from Sam Dorr's example. Um, but it's going to be hard because Sam Dorr really is one of a kind. Well, guys, let's get to final thoughts since I know um, I know Kevin has places to be. And what are you guys' final Aaron, thoughts? Aaron has pieces to re-record. Yes. <laughs> For me, um, twenty twenty is is going to be a year of uh, of transition uh, to a degree. No, actually, very much so a transition for the front office. Um, with the departure of Sam, it looks like uh, Jose's going to be splitting his time with Cronkite News now. Um, that's going to be interesting. Um, from a club perspective, and really what really matters is what happens on the pitch, um, I, look at, uh, I look at who we've picked up, and there are some that I'm very bullish on, and then there are some that I have large question marks about. I'm, I'm really not sure. Um, but just like last year, I... For some reason, I just had this unshakable uh, faith in Rick Schantz and his choices and knowing that he's got a game plan and a methodology that develops players and gets players to bring their best game um, consistently on the pitch. And so for me, I look at it and go, this is a weird mix. Um, I can't wait to see what he brings to the pitch, how he figures all this out. Um I think we've got huge potential this year to come home with two trophies, and uh, and and I hope that uh, when we're at the end of the year, that's exactly what we have. Yeah, I mean, this is going to be... I don't think this club is going to be dominant the way they were last season. Um, it is a year of transition. Sam Dorr's out. A lot of our beloved players like Amadou Dia and Jason Johnson are out. But we also have very capable new pieces coming in. And what I want to see is is how the additional depth helps this team in the long run. I, I don't even know if we're going to win the regular season title in the Western Conference. If I had to put odds on it, I would probably say we're less than 50%. And I know a bunch of people will hate to hear that. But a lot of the competition around us is, is improving. And it just, it's the nature of the beast. It's really, really tough to be better than 17 other teams year in, year out. Um, but I do think that this team is going to be better set up to make runs in the Open Cup and in the league. And I think this team will be better set up for a good playoff run. Dom, which is more important to you, the Supporters' Cup or the USL Cup? What are you talking about? The Open Cup or the USL Cup? I'm sorry, yeah, I, I misspoke. Well, yeah, I mean, you could throw the you could you could throw in the Open Cup too, but I'm talking about the regular season Championship Cup. I mean, I think that the 
regular season one is more of a reflection of who the best team was. But the USL Cup means more. So I'm going to say USL Cup. That's fair. I mean, we it's... just had we just had the best season in USL history, just like Cincinnati did the year before, and both teams are the subject of constant off-season memes because we didn't get the job done. So the USL Cup means more. And I think that's what this team is gearing towards. That's the one thing we haven't done yet. Yeah. I definitely think we've got a chip on our shoulder, and uh, and we want that cup. Aaron, any other thoughts before we bid the audience farewell? That's it. I'm good to go, and uh, we'll see everybody uh, in either next next week at Jer- is it next week is the Jersey reveal. Um, uh, 23rd, after. so that's a week and a half. So we'll probably record in two weeks after the jersey reveal. All right, well, we'll record in two, and we'll see everybody in about two weeks. Stoked for the jersey reveal. I get to uh, take out the brand-new lens that I bought for uh, uh, for Firebird Soccer, and uh, yeah, I'm stoked. So we'll see you guys then. All right, thanks, guys. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, thanks for coming on, Kev. All right, go rising. The Rising is one podcast is sponsored by the Arizona Sports Complex home of the North Phoenix Soccer League, Summer Futsal, Box Lacrosse League, and Summer High School Advanced League. Please visit the Arizona Sports Complex and tell them the Risings One podcast sent you. This episode is brought to you by Roughneck Scarves and Golden Gold Press. Thanks to our sponsor, Golden Gold Press, the best choice for you to get custom shirts, hats, mugs, and other items just yourself and your organization. Check out their amazing products at a fraction of the price from other places at goldengoldpress.com. Also, thanks to Roughneck Scarves, official scarf supplier to MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. Thanks also to the Beautiful Game Network and all the other excellent podcasts that you can find covering soccer and all things USL. Hey, this is Dominic Kearns with the Rising One Podcast. Um, just an update, after we recorded, it was announced by Jeff Reeder of The Athletic that Adam John, our second leading scorer last season, he was training with Atlanta United for a couple days, and now he's set to sign a deal with Atlanta United for the 2020 MLS season. There's supposed to be a $100,000 transfer fee for Phoenix Rising, which is a big get in the USL. Uh, that can certainly play, pay for a couple guys' salaries. And, you know, for Adam John, it's a step up to a level where he's played before, previously with Columbus Crew and with San Jose Earthquakes. He'll probably have a reserve role for Atlanta United, but, uh, you know, definitely a guy who can kick it at that level. But it's a big loss for Phoenix, and it really explains the Rufat Dadashov signing, because 
you know, rumors were leaking late last week about Rufat coming to Phoenix. We discussed it on this podcast. Um, on Monday, the team made it official that Rufat would be signing here. And we were thinking at the time that they would be splitting time, him and Adam John. Now it makes a lot of sense that Rufat's going to step directly into that number nine role and be the guy for Phoenix. He's never played in America before, so there are some questions. But again, in three Liga, as Kevin Gates was talking about, he did have production. Six goals and two assists in 20 matches at the Liga 3 level, which is probably a little bit better than USL Championship. I'd say maybe, you know, the average team in, in three Liga is about on par with Phoenix Rising, and so Phoenix Rising pretty close to the top of USL. Um, so I think the dude can produce, and he's going to have to produce for Phoenix because we are very much going to miss Adam John, uh, quality striker and a quality person. But that's the big news. Another guy up to MLS, and this gets to why I was saying, look, you have to savor the moments last year. You have to savor that streak because it's happening because it's pretty clear that this is not going to be that dominant of a season for Phoenix Rising. I know some of the super fans may hate to hear it, but anyone who's looking at things pretty analytically can see that it's going to be much more of a dogfight in the Western Conference with several competitors improving. Um, you know, I don't think Phoenix Rising will end up in first place when it's all said and done, but it's going to be interesting. And if Phoenix does defend its regular season Western Conference title, it will be in large part due to Rufat Dadashov, who will definitely be our number nine. Well, I thought that we were done with Phoenix Rising news for today, Tuesday, the 14th of January, but no. Just one hour after the Adam John to MLS news was announced, Jeff Reeder, with more breaking news, that James Musa is getting a free transfer to Minnesota United. He will be playing with Minnesota United for the 2020 MLS season. Um, don't expect him to be a starter, but he could see some rotational minutes in the midfield you know, defensive midfield. I don't know if they're going to have him trying to play any defense, any of the fullback positions, but he could certainly get in at midfield. And it's a club that struggled with conceding goals, so James Musa could really help them in the 2020 season. Also really great with distribution, getting the ball ahead to some of their dynamic attacking talent. And for Phoenix Rising, this one doesn't sting nearly as bad as Adam John because Musa announced right after the season ended that he would be moving on from Phoenix Rising. We did not know the destination, but he made that pretty clear back in November. So this one doesn't come as much of a surprise to Phoenix Rising fans in the know. It still means that we're going to be starting this 2020 season with a lot of fresh faces. But I think the bigger takeaway from James Musa getting the MLS is that the MLS clubs were taking note of Phoenix Rising during the 20-match win streak, taking note of what we accomplished on the pitch, they were watching the film, and that, as Sam Dorr mentioned recently, there is a pipeline between Phoenix Rising and MLS. This exposure, you know, two guys coming from USL to MLS within hours of each other, um, and then Arizona Central had an article about Sam Dorr moving to the Arizona Coyotes with that VP of strategy and innovation position. 
all this exposure is just going to bode really, really well for Phoenix Rising in the long term. It's also going to make our content that much more interesting. And it's going to make the 2020 season more entertaining because we're definitely not the clear-cut favorites now. It's going to be a real battle. And that's that's going to make it more intriguing, more fun. The team's really going to have to fight for it. So, look, great exposure. You know, we're probably not going to get 78 points, but I still like what they're doing on the whole. And it's brilliant to see many guys now getting recognition for what they accomplished last year on the pitch. All right, we'll see you guys soon.